Welcome back to the Black Belter Podcast. This is episode 59. This week's guest and our first guest of 2021 is Master Mark Hutton. Uh, Mark has nearly 40 years of Taekwondo training behind him. He was a successful competitor, winning five European titles and two world bronze medals. Uh, Mark has been an instructor for many years, running a successful club in MHF, which is Master Hutton Fitness. He has also developed the highly popular Cubs training system, which is used by many instructors throughout the world. Uh, Mark puts a massive emphasis on the personal development side of Taekwondo, and this really comes across in his teaching. Uh, I have really enjoyed chatting with Master Hunton. One thing that is always so clear is his unwavering enthusiasm and passion for Taekwondo, and I think that's really evident in this episode. So, as always, make sure to like, share, and subscribe on whatever platform you listen on, and I hope you enjoy. Master Mark Hutton, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very well. So nice to hear from you. Listen, what an honour it is to be asked on your, your black belter. I've, uh, I've heard a few very good things about it. Oh, I haven't heard it myself because being the old guy I am, I don't access podcasts. <laughs> but I've heard a lot of good things, so it's great to be here. Oh, well, thanks, man, for coming on. And like that, We've had a lot of people with lots of different experiences, so like some, I suppose, some recent champions. We've had some champions and that from previous times and um, so it's good to have you on and hear your story and uh, your journey some share some of your yeah, experiences but like that just with the i suppose with the lockdown and stuff how have you found training online versus in person is it something that you like have you found much of a difference well yes it's, there's, obviously there's um when it comes to the martial art um because physical contact is absolutely essential no contact no point that's really quite simple as that however um, there's a lot of fantastic things we've got from the online training. Um, we've, we've actually developed an online e-learning hub here. So going forward, that will be a huge thing going forward. It gives massive opportunities to really help people who can't be here four, five, and six times a week to access catch-up classes, online classes, all these type of things you know, that will come out of this. Like every, like every cloud, there's massive silver linings, and we've got a lot from, from this time, a yeah. lot to learn from this time, a lot to be grateful for going forward. But it has been obviously very challenging. And we miss our people and our people miss us. We all miss this thing. We miss each other. We miss that human interaction, which is massively important for us. Yeah. Like that, I've definitely found that the same. I, I deferred the last time we were on Zoom, I didn't find it I didn't find it too bad, but this time I, I've been really struggling this time to to keep the energy yeah. going and that but like that hopefully it won't be for too long. I think we're lucky as as like with with Taekwondo that like there's a lot of other sports, a lot of other clubs. They don't like online just wouldn't work like like if you're a soccer club, like you can't really do, you can't do online contact with exactly. your member, keep in contact with your members. Exactly. But we have the benefit yeah. that Zoom allows us just to even if the training quality isn't quite there, it allows you to maintain some sort of contact with your members and allows them to yes. at least even if it not necessarily improve at the rate you would like, maybe maintain so that when you get back in person, there's something to build on. You know, I I have to say that um. It's not quite the case for me because um, it's incredible the, the progress of my students on Zoom. Um, the kicking drills, uh, the power stuff that we're doing on Zoom is just fantastic. Um, so that's why for me, I'm one of these, these people here, um, seem to be in the, in the minority just now, but this is a massive tool going forward. This is massive opportunities going forward, as I say, to add to what we have because I, I don't see this as, oh, goodness me, we're back on Zoom. For me, not at all. It's like, wow, guys, fantastic. We're going to work on this and work on that. Obviously, we can't work on the power breaking or hosting Seoul or street defence, which for me is the single most important thing when it comes to the physicality. Um, beyond everything else, we can't do. But 
that'll come again. But right now, what we really can do is this, 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 and this, and take these great opportunities because Zoom's fantastic. They achieve so many things. As I, as I mentioned there, people coming home late from work or they can't make it for different reasons, they've got this wonderful trade tool going forward. When you take, for example, from, from me for Green Stripe and above, where you need to be training three and four times a week at least um, to, to achieve, to be a, a good martial artist, that, that's, that's the case. That has to be the case. Now, if you can't get to class three, four times a week, we understand that. But now, and we've always struggled in the past to help them to train out with the dojang. But now you've got your daily dojang, you've got your home dojang, and you can you can join my class here on Zoom, whether you can be here in person or not. So you're still getting that fantastic experience. So Zoom is like, wow, for me. You know, so I just see nothing but forward. We all know we'll be back in the dojang. When it happens, sooner or later, but we'll be back. And now we've got the added benefit of this. So I would massively encourage everybody to have an online program uh, going forward. I really would. Yeah. Especially, <laughs> I suppose you never know when you need it. Like who would have called that? We'd be in this position 12 exactly. months ago. <laughs> exactly. You know, and as I say, there's so much we, can, we are achieving. I did, I've only done one online grading um, in the 10 months that we've been, that we've been in lockdown more or less, apart from a few weeks. Um, I really took my time to work it out. And what would have taken three or four hours, it took us two days to do the slots, you know, so I can, but other than I could say the power breaking and the contact, I was so, so impressed by how the grading went. I was really thrilled to best with everybody. Uh, and that's why we developed this e-learning hub. So it's like an open university for Taekwondo, where you step-by-step progress, you click the button to say that you've actually um, completed the work. I can see what you've done. You can send me the videos and I, you know, I teach you online. So it's, uh, again, it's a community. Yeah. I'm sorry, I just see opportunities everywhere we go, you know? Um, yeah. So it's a lot of great stuff. Yeah. So look, I suppose we'll take it back uh, to most people when they, when they are on is, uh, is how did you get started in Taekwondo? Where, where, where did the journey begin for you? Why did you start? Well, I did not want to do Taekwondo. That was the one thing I didn't want to do. Um, like most people, as a kid, I did judo. Um, then of course karate my, my father has uh, 12 brothers and sisters and they're all uh, one of three things my father was a, was a, a wonderful boxer um, and they asked him to go um, back in the uh, back in the early 60s the late 50s I beg your pardon um, he didn't do that his father wouldn't give him the permission he was a young man at the time so it was off to the pit um, but his brothers and sisters were uh, mainly mainly karate and a, and a couple of judo so taekwondo in the 80s was a no-no it was, it was nothing more than a, than a lightweight karate as how it was viewed. Unfortunately, it's getting viewed that way again, but that's a separate issue just now. Maybe it's not a separate issue, but we'll maybe come back to that. Um, so really, it was karate. So I went to karate. I did Wadaru, I did Shokokai. However, um, my two of my uncles, given my father's big family, two of my uncles, they were only a couple of years older than me, just brought Bruce Lee to me. So I remember seeing clips from Enter the Dragon and, and Way of the Dragon. And it was Dragon whips its tail. It was the reverse turning kick that catches the guy in the head. And all the karate I went to could kick like that. So I had to find something that would excite me like that. And eventually, I saw this advert, and it was Taekwondo Tom packs real punch. It wasn't a good photograph. It was like this. And I remember saying, this is Grandmaster McCam I'm talking about here, so please, you know. Oh, it's actually Taekwondo, and that's, that's, that's weak. But eventually I went to it and I went in. It was Grandmaster McCallum's club. It was 1981 in Bathgate, which was uh, eight miles from me. Took over an hour to get there in the bus. 
And uh, it was Grandmaster Sullivan taking the classes. My Lord, my Lord, she blew us away. She blew us away. You know what blew me away? Ann Palmo Mackies, three Ann Palmo Mackies. And she just generated massive energy and power in this. Then watching her throwing these techniques and everything was so powerful. I didn't even think this was only a, a lady at barely, she wasn't even five feet tall, for goodness sake. I'd been all these karate classes, judo classes, then a little bit of boxing stuff, and this just blew me away. Um, and from there, my friend, I was hooked. I was absolutely hooked. Yeah. yeah. And that was it. From that point forward, taekwondo has been everything to me. And it still is today. You know? for, for, first day, first day you knew that this was going to be, you got what you wanted, you know what? like you got, you got the you kind of taste. <laughs> I was only afraid that I wasn't good enough and I couldn't, I couldn't make it. That's the only thing, thing that scared the hell out of me. It took me three goals to go through the door in Bathgate. It was a solid door. Um, you see behind me glass doors here. This is, this is our second door giant we've built in memory of Grandmaster Sullen, who we lost in 2019, God rest her. She's on the wall. You can maybe see her back here on the wall. Yeah. Um, it took me three goals to go through the door. It was a solid door. That's why we have glass doors here all the time. It took me three weeks. Came back each week. And eventually, I burst open through the door. And everyone stopped and looked at me. And you could have swallowed me up. I was 17 years old. I was painfully shy. And my friend, I was just so afraid that I wouldn't be able to make it. And that fear has never really left me. It's why I ended up training as hard and as dedicated as it became because it was an inbuilt fear that I wouldn't be good enough. And from that point forward, I thought, if I train twice as hard as everybody else, if I train three times as hard as everybody else, then hopefully I can make it one day. Um, from 40 years ago to today, I train every day. I train every day. The fear, maybe the fear, obviously the fear has, um, has evolved. I've become more and more over the years. But still, there's that little boy inside me still that goes, hey, you've got to keep going. If you don't keep going, you'll lose it. You know? Yeah. So um, it's my passion. It's what I love. Uh, and watching young men like you coming through and your instructor, for example, I believe your instructor is um, is Mr. Byrne, is that correct? Yeah, spot on, yeah. Uh, what a wonderful, wonderful guy and a, and a credit to ITF Taekwondo. So watching you guys develop over the years is giving me such a thrill. So, hey, we're blessed, my friend, but an incredible martial art with incredible people in an ITF family and beyond. So, um, hey, it's nothing but uh, great stuff. Yeah. I'm just thrilled to be part of it. I think it's it's funny that you say that because I think like and even I suppose kind of when I started it and it, like it's changing now that for so long there was no real like I suppose competitors or standout martial art that you could like like Bruce Lee was the was the guy who was like okay a great martial artist but to some degree you're watching him in movies like it was a movie star for martial artists that you had to watch whereas I think that that's yeah. the benefit like. You know, like other sports, like I said already, like like soccer, you could you, you could watch a soccer match and you see the best soccer players. You see, like to see the best martial artists out there was so hard before. Like it's mad that you had to find inspiration from watching movies. You know what I mean? To to fall in, to fall in love with martial arts. And I think that's great that social media is starting to change that now. That there's the actual people you can you can look to to be inspired. Yeah, well, not for me because um, I mean we had no social media obviously at all. We had Ricky Half for goodness sake. Enrique blew you away, my friend. They walked into a room and you went, wow. And you felt that presence. You're talking here about a man that just, hey, punching walls, his destruction was just beyond belief. Looked at you. You quaked down at your feet. You know? Um, we're not a sport, my friend. We have, a, we have this phenomenal sport inside this martial art. But if you're a sport, you've lost so much of the overall picture. Your sport is enhanced by the power of the martial art. Because if I wanted to be a sport, then I wouldn't be doing taekwondo. I'd be doing kickboxing. I'd be doing MMA. I wouldn't do taekwondo. I do. I do one of those things, you know. 
Um, as a martial artist, you've got you've got you've got the hosting show, the street defense, the power breaking. You know, you've got all of all of the inspiration and empowerment that you take from being a martial artist, and you know, and then you've got that incredible sport of taekwondo that's inside that. It's a it's a short window. It's how to communicate with the world in general terms and these phenomenal athletes that you see in front of us. You know, um, in my day, it was the um, Goodness me, the English team at that time were phenomenal. Tony Sewell, Kim Stones, Kenny Walton, they were world champions in 1981 in Argentina. They came back there as kings and queens, and, and I watched them at the Scottish Championships in Meadow Bank in 81. You're talking here about, wow, that, that world championship team on the floor. But, but what stole the show that night wasn't the world champions, my friend. It was, the, it was the two Koreans walking on the floor to do one step. Bam, that foot went to the head like that, you know? The whole soul that was just so powerful, and you could think, Damn, you wouldn't mess with that. There were some great spires, but they both walked off the floor like spires always do. These guys, a true martial artist, host and soul, you don't walk off the floor. You don't walk off the floor. You know, one guy goes down, one guy stays up. Or maybe both go down at some point. But that's the inspiration that I took from the reality and the, the empowerment of the Riki Has, the Arjun Tays, the, you know, the CK Choi's, the Han Chakyo's. These were the people that were just true warriors, that were true legends of Taekwondo. And that's, that's what I still bring to my students. That's why they're on the wall. You know, and this side here, I've got, you know, I've got our team here, Mrs. McKenzie, you know, multiple European and world, and world medalists, of course. On this side here, I've got Grandmaster Sil, who, of course, herself is multiple British champion. But, you know, I've got, I've got people here that, that are truly inspiring as martial artists that, that, would, that will be here long after the, the tournament stopped. That's where I really take the empowerment, and that's what I want my kids to do. Because, you know, the high ninety percentile range of people walking in through the door, they will never be champion, let alone European or world champion. So, if we're not inspiring them, if we're not letting them know that being European and world champion is not not only is it not the be all and end all, but a great many European world champions are not fantastic martial artists. You know, they're fantastic sports people with great athletic ability. But a martial artist is different. It encompasses so much more. And guess what? You can be a, you, you'll be a black belt one day. You can be a black belt one day if you really, really go for it. A phenomenal black belt. And not being a champion does not make you a poorer black belt. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I, I have to... Yeah. Okay, I suppose and that's maybe the the differences for, for me. And kind of like I know Mr. Barnes kind of saying in our club, like the, it's Taekwondo is more the sport. It's 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 what we what we enjoy to do, what we teach, what we enjoy to spend most of our time on is the sporting side, the sparring, the patterns. Um, yes, like you said, we touch on everything else, and what we do, but like it can be hard to, I suppose, you know, give his time to every di- single discipline to prioritize. And for us, it's the sporting side, it's the competition side. Um, again, like does it does it again? It doesn't mean like like you said, like you said, we do touch on everything. It is a martial art, but um, but we find and like. A lot of the martial arts stuff and the mindset comes. You can be trained through competition as well. Like uh, I find that competition gives a, a great opportunity. Like you know when you talk about the, the tenets of taekwondo and the, the the mindset and the mentality. Like you know courtesy towards your opponent, integrity, like perseverance, like to, from going from competition to competition. Like, like the benefit that crosses over into the martial arts side. Like you've said, but you know I suppose like you like to maybe focus more on the martial arts side. But I know there's other people who maybe it's more of a sport for other people. Um. Less than a half because I was I put myself across purely. Um, they're not a separate. They are one. They are one together. The martial the martial art, which is what you join the school for in the first place, 
um, it's what enhances the sport and vice versa. One without the other, and the, the, the martial art that it, that it should be without the sport. And the sport's not the sport that should be without the martial art. Because you're wonderful instructors to burn. That's how he was raised through the martial art. And then that enhances sporting abilities and his credibility. And he is a phenomenal sportsman, a phenomenal sports uh, uh, mind and mentality through everything he's learned. But they're two together, my friend. So I don't focus on one or the other. They're just all part of the one thing. The first um, 20 years of my training, all that mattered to me was, was winning medals. That sport was phenomenal. So when you're younger, you focus more on the sport, which is fantastic. But you have to understand that as you go on, as you go on and come back out of that, there's so much, there's so many things there that you can actually keep progressing with. Does that make sense? So you're not finished when, when your sporting career is over. The martial art is still there to keep you into the sport, whether you're a coach, whether you're, um, you know, um, an umpire or whatever, a referee, whatever you actually might actually be. Um, so there's so much more than, than uh, just the sport alone. The martial art gives you everything. So that was what I meant to put across. So, Excuse me if I didn't put that across very well. No, 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 that's sport a, is phenomenal. And our athletes, our athletes really shine bright. They really yeah. shine bright. I'm so, so proud of them. And like within your own club, would, would, would competition, would you, would you push competition? Like I know some clubs, like maybe they have a requirement, a requirement, a requirement that you, you can, maybe you can't grade until you've done so many competitions. I know some clubs, you know, might encourage no, that. Would it be something no, that you would look no, at? Would you look to force competition? No. No, no. The moment you do that, you're telling your student that, that competition is more important than other things, and it's not. It never, ever should be. If I've got someone in my school and they have a physical disability that precludes them from going to competition, what message would that send to that person? You would have to go to a competition before you grade. Or but guess what? You can't do that, so we'll let you through. My friend, you have to be very careful in, in, the, in the message that you send out there. What we do here is we all have our own individual journeys. So if you're competitively minded, hey, let's go, boom. And we give you every tool under the sun and every encouragement take you from, from local level to world champion. A friend I've been training world champions for the last 30 years with Grandmaster Sullivan. You know, you've had Sullivan on your podcast, for goodness sake. So that's 100% the case. Uh, and we still will, will always do that. But we have to make sure that everyone walks in through that door has that opportunity to go as far as possible on their journey and not feel that they are lesser because their journey doesn't include being European or world champion or being part of the Scottish team. Do you know what I mean? So each person has to have that ability to go as far as they can. And I drive them and I pick them off the floor and tell them they can do better than they're doing. I kick their backside whether they're going to be a competitor or not, whether they're going to be an umpire or not, whether they're going to be somebody who never goes to a competition for different reasons, but they've still got a path there that is so worthwhile in their journey. So I'm just very, very, very keen to ensure that um, people who are not competitively minded understand that they, are, they, are, they still are worthwhile as a black belt, even if they don't compete. But what I will say is this, if they have um, the physical capability to compete, then they will compete before they get their black belt, because if they can't experience it, then they should and must experience it. So that's what's very important to me. Yeah, yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what yeah. we thought, is that, like that, like I say, if there's a, if there's a, like, Outside circumstances, for a reason, maybe you can't compete or you're maybe at a disadvantage. Then, but I definitely feel I would agree that like you should be encouraged and see. Like, you know, and like you said, it's um. I think when you give sometimes, I suppose it kind of comes back to you know maybe setting a requirement to go into the competition. I think if you sometimes, if you leave it up to this person, 
you know, it's, it, you want to stay in the comfort zone. They'll naturally maybe shy away. Oh, I don't want to do that. That makes me nervous. I'm scared. So that's a big thing why we try to, we try to push people into the competition because, you know, like, put yourself out there. Like, you have to be brave to just step on the floor. Whether you win, lose, or draw, it does, that doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's the stepping on the floor and performing and what that, and the benefits that that brings as well. Wonderful, wonderful. I mean, what is an instructor's, what is an instructor's first role? An instructor's first role is to inspire and to empower. And whatever avenue, that that takes that individual. You must inspire and empower. The only reason for time between grades is we can see the progress of that individual emotionally and spiritually. Physically, physically is the thought number two. If we don't inspire emotion, emotionally and mentally, then the physical can never fill its potential. If you look to only physically inspire, then I'm afraid that what you've got then is a lot of people who perhaps can kick and punch very well, but they don't go on very well in the big world. They're still quite shy. They still can't communicate very well. At MHF, what we do is the most important thing is our communication skills. You know, our good icon, our, our way of communicating in the world so you can step out into the world and you can go on well. That's what, that's what a, a good Bible is. That's what white, yellow, blue, red, and black symbolize. That's what they signify. You don't have any colors that symbolize your physical ability. All our colors signify and symbolize your emotional, spiritual journey as you move forward because we know that emotionally and spiritually empowered then your physicality is easy because you have the confidence to go for it. Once you've got the confidence to go for it, there's nothing physically you can't achieve within the confines of your own physical abilities going forward. So the, so the athlete in you will be empowered and be maximized through that spiritual journey. So first of all, it's spiritual and it's emotional. And then that brings forward from there. That's why martial art has to come first because it drives the physical. Yeah. It's kind of interesting that you, I suppose that, like you said, like as, as an instructor, like that, that, that's the number one thing, but it, yeah. it, it's, it's number one on the instructor's mind. But I think some very often that the, that the student can sometimes not even recognize that growing more confidence. They, they notice the physical and learning the physical abilities and the, the physical skills. They don't notice the emotional growth as much. Do you know, do, do you know what I mean? It's, 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 here, because prioritized. here we prioritize it. I'll say to them, I don't care about your psychic. Who the hell cares about this? You know, you bring any ballet dancer along Gamerfen, and me holding that leg out there, they'll laugh at that. They'll hold the leg up here. Doesn't make my black belt. If I prioritise physical skill, then any gymnast will kick your butt. Any ballet dancer, I mean, a ballet dancer for me is the ultimate physicality on the planet. On the planet. So it is the emotional, the emotional journey. So here they understand straight away. Don't you worry, you can't straighten your leg because you've got maybe something wrong with the knee or whatever else. Because it's not about the physical, it's about emotional. So here, they, are, they take pride in the fact that their head is up there. That they can, they can, they can take people laughing at them easier. They can go over it quicker. That is the emotional steps they take, knowing that the physicality then, that, that energy then will be enhanced by that, by that emotional state. So then you have, a, you have an instructor first and a coach second. And that's how we progress. And in that way, that coach is, is, is empowered with the, with the mental capacity to, to encourage and to communicate with his competitors or her competitors. And you see, so that's what drives the rest of it. That's what the martial art does. It gives you that emotional, emotional well-being so you can go out there and do all the physical. Yeah. I suppose just then maybe just, maybe just to go back to your, your own journey. Uh, and I know you said like you, you competed for... Uh, uh, for many years, were you competitive straight away? Was that something you got into competing, or was there a long time? Oh, I was too scared. <laughs> That's the whole point. I was too scared. Yeah, I was too afraid of not being good enough. 
I was too afraid of not being good enough, the embarrassment of defeat. I didn't care about getting hit because I grew up very physical, a very physical family and a very physical, very small mining town. So physicality and fighting was just part and parcel of growing up. So I had been beaten up many times before in physical confrontations. I got my butt handed to me quite a few times before I joined Taekwondo. So I knew about pain, but it was the embarrassment of going to competition and just being rubbish. <laughs> that scared the hell out of me. But of course, Grandmaster Sutherland insisted, we're competitors, we're Bathgate, we're competitors, you'll get it done. And I did. Um, yeah, and thankfully for me, I, I managed to have some success and just built and built and built on that. And, uh, oh, I loved it. My friend, it just empowered me like hell. Competition was all I was in, you know. In fact, when you walked in through the door, I wanted to see, uh, respectfully, back in that time, I wanted to see a young, fit guy walking through the door so he could enhance the team. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't want to the door if he wasn't going to be a competitor because in Bathgate, being champions was all mad. All our advertising was coming trains. That's all that mattered, my friend. That's all I did for the first 20 years. Come and train with the champions. Come and be a champion. You know? Which, unfortunately, left out so many people who could never be that. So I've, I've worked for so long to redress that balance. But being a champion, if you can be a champion, if you can be a competitor, we will drive you all the way. Yeah. We will drive you all the way. So, yes, loved it. And what, what, what would you have been, no, I suppose, most of you are in patterns, but like when you first started, was there ever a, a, a patterns no, versus sparring, or did you, did, you, did you love them all the I same? Didn't, I didn't want to do patterns. I didn't want to do patterns. I went, in 1988, we went to our first international competition in, in Toronto, Canada, and um, I refused to do patterns. I was a young boy, and I was still stupid enough to believe in the old adage that people who did patterns weren't could spar. <laughs> I thought sparring was the be-all and end-all back then. So I went there and I just didn't even do patterns. It was all about, it was all about um, by that point, I was Scottish and British champion in, in sparring. Um, it wasn't minus 71 back in, the, in those days. You know, it, it, was minus, it was minus 75. I was a bit heavier then as well. Um, so I went there as, as uh, I've been British champion for a few years. So I went to Canada and fought all styles for the first. For the first. We, spot, we fought kickboxing, of course. We fought some karate guys because it's Bathgate. They really led the way back in the day. Uh, as as um, your instructors will tell you, because the island a lot, you know, I had the privilege of being um, of being the technical director for Ireland for quite a few years, with Master Cooley and you know Master Buckley and all and all those guys. Um, so we went to uh, Toronto, we competed in an all styles uh, tournament, and I felt sure I was going to kill these guys. My legs were all over the place. I'd watch these guys warming up, and no one could kick me. Um, but oh God, these guys were good. These guys were good, and they punched a hole in me. They punched in me. I learned a lot that weekend, I can tell you, in Canada. Came back here, really learned a lot. That was in 88. Uh, and by 1990, 91, I had my first European Championships in Davo in Switzerland. And that, again, was another level. You know? So, um, no, back then, it was all, it was all, it was all, um, it was all sparring. It was all sparring that, that I did. I didn't do pattern back then. Yeah. And what kind of thought, what kind of made the change and what, what, what made the patterns? What made the change was I remember sparring with some people. Uh, I remember sparring with uh, a guy from um, from Belarus, and um, yeah, goodness gracious me! Um, and I won. I won relatively easily points wise. But I can tell you something right now, my friend. That guy would have killed me on the street. That guy would have killed me if the referee wasn't on the floor. And you know, I'm popping my, my foot to his head, and I'm popping these three pointers. I'm getting the two pointers. I'm running to the side, you know, hitting these shots. Uh, and none of these shots were hurting this guy. Every time he hit me, he hurt me. When I hit him, I didn't hurt him. And I didn't want to be a black belt that couldn't 
given my background, given my understanding growing up, I thought to myself, are you becoming a black belt, Mark, that, that really just is just points, points, points all the time? So I started uh, adapting and changing my training quite a bit. And the sparring meant a little bit, a little bit less than it did before to me. Um, and the power, the power taekwondo, the power martial art, the power pattern, the power everything uh, became a lot more important. The host and the street defense, it didn't stop me sparring. Of course it didn't. And we continued on for years after that. I didn't stop competing in 1997. But it did change my perspective a little bit. You know? Um, yeah, so I changed a little bit that way. Um, but I still had many, many competitors who were European and world champions, uh, mainly in sparring at, at, at that time. Um, and only in some, in, in some in pattern, laterally as, as we went forward sort of thing, you know? Yeah. And I oh, well, with the, the style, I presume, was it was a lot different back then as well. Maybe what we see now. Yeah, but Grandmaster Bosch changed that for us. Um, back in the day, the UK and Ireland fought very similarly. And that was straight forward and straight back. The, the meterage was, wasn't nine square metres. So a much smaller ring, you know, your kickboxing sizes, your five square metres, your six square metres maximum. And again, we just went forward and totally told more or less. You know, the lateral movement was not the same way. You went forward, banging the legs out, and then you, you just went at it with your hands. Um, you know, uh, yeah. So Grandmaster Boss, uh, in 19, 1984, I saw Grandmaster Boss and his Dutch team for the first time. And I saw the little dollios. We called them B-chaggies back then, which was the, the WTF terminology for them. You know, um, WTF turning kick, straight from the ground, straight up under the side kick. Uh, and back then, I remember seeing it thinking, that's rubbish, that's awful, that's an awful kick, you know? What is that? Anyone can do that, it's a straight-up kick. But of course, it was about points. Who cares how it looks as long as you're getting the points? So that mentality started to change us because we were Riki Ha, we were Taekwondo purists. You know, the kick was, to, was, was done a certain way, the turning kick done a certain way. And now we're into the stage where, who cares? All that matters is we're in the medals. So uh, 1980, 1990, 1991, I saw Grandmaster Boss again, and I watched and I thought, wow, those guys are really sharp. It was the, but this time he was, he was, um, he was uh, the coach of the Italian team. And we went in 87 to Italy, and he was bringing the Italians up. And by this point here, they already had their first world champion in, in, in Master Carmen Kayatsu. Wow, what a guy. What a, what a sparrer. What a sparrer. Uh, powerhouse, fast, strong. Um, scared the hell at me the first time I fought those guys, you know? Um, so... I had an opportunity in, in North Korea. Boss came and seen me and he said to me, yeah, he said a lot of nice things to me and he invited me to train with him in Benidorm in 1992. And for three, for three hours a night, he killed us. I mean, he killed us. We couldn't, Master Wallace and I were the only two to survive the three nights. We couldn't step off, we couldn't step off the curb onto the road because we couldn't bend our knees by that point. We were dead. Um, but we formed really close bond with Grandmaster Boss. We got him to Bathgate the next the next year, and that just transformed our sparring, transformed our mentality. On well, Scotland, just you know, we just grew and grew and grew, and the competitors that came forward from that point really mainly came out of Bathgate, and um, well, European world champions came out of Bathgate at that point. You know, um, Ian Burgess and uh, Brent Lyon uh, and Julia Miss, Miss Julia Cross all came from that. All came from our training in those schools, so we had a lot of success. You know. As I say, tournament was still our main our main focal point. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. then, and then, so when did kind of becoming an instructor then kind of come in then to to your journey? When did you kind of go 
on your own and or I don't know what did you go on your own when did you kind of journey, journey my friend was always the instructor first and and, and you know uh, instructor was always the, was always the main thing you know we only saw ourselves as a coach when you put your dope your track suit on to go and sit and sit on the um sit on the side of the ring but you were still an instructor you're never not an instructor you just put your coat on and that means that you were just there you know to bend the rules as much as possible if need be to get to get the points you know to work to work the situation to work the angles you know, so it's all part of it, but you're still you're still always an instructor first, you know. Um, and the, the tournament is still a number one thing for competitors. Um, you know, as, as I said, when my guys come in and they want to compete, then that's the journey we take we take them down. But of course, they still have their street defense every night. They still make sure they can fight. They still make sure, you know, if they're when they're attacked, they know how to strike and how to toughen their hands. Who wants to be a black belt that can break boards with their fingertips? You know, with a back fist, that, that kind of idea. You've got a black belt on your waist. You won't be able to, able to ensure that you can... Someone says to me, you know, what is a good black belt? So first and foremost, it's a good person, a good individual person who mentally and emotionally looks to empower themselves to build a more peaceful world, to extend that. That's what a black belt really is. Um, so what other things do black belts do? I say, well, the things that can impress you is their physical abilities. Like for, obviously, like breaking boards, back fist, knife hand, tourniquet, back kick, reverse tourniquet. The power breaking that will impress you. Um, and for those who can, who can compete, whoa, you'll see some incredible athletes. So there's many different aspects, but they're all together. You just excel in one or the other. Some of us excel in, in them all, you know, but there's always avenues for everybody. But we must not only look to be a sparrow or a patterns or a competitor. There's, you must look to enhance whatever you're doing as your favorite by doing everything else. Because that's the way you get to know yourself. And until you get to really know yourself, you can't really realize your full potential, you know? So keeping your hand in everything really helps to enhance that overall mentality and therefore your ability. Yeah. And so, like I said, you said you've built a new Dojang in NHF. And, yeah, was, and, and, it's a, and it's a nice, like uh, the pictures I see in the videos, uh, lovely center that you have there. Um, I'll start there, I would presume. It's like, what, what, what's the journey that maybe the, the, you've kind of gone from where it started to where it is now? What sort yeah, of journey has that I, been? I was, I agree, what a great question. I was very, very fortunate because um, in Bathgate and the Grandmaster Sun, there was a full-time dojang. A full-time dojang since the, since the late 70s. And how lucky was that, for goodness sake? Yeah. So we, we were, I, was, I was training I was training twice a day by green belt. By blue belt, red stripe, I was training three times a day. Uh, no, that's not true. It was actually black stripe the tenth time I was training three times a day, heading towards black belt. Um, you know, so under under Grandmaster Sullivan, who was the who was Grandmaster McCallum's assistant instructor and, and my chief instructor at that point, we were training every day, and the classes were just knocked down classes. You know, um, so we had that full time training all, all the way. I opened up here in East Kilbride in 1989, which is 31 years ago, and for the first 15 years, it was of course it was sports centres and church halls and all the usual journey we all go, we mostly we mainly go through, and we came here to this unit here. But I mean, it's only 2,000 square feet um, in 1980, sorry, 1990, 2003, I apologize, 2003. So 17 years we've been here. And I built this dojang here two months ago um, during lockdown uh, for online. So it's only, as you can see, it's only four and a half meters wide. And we're only, you know, um, six, seven meters deep. So all our online classes, you know, and one-to-ones come from here. So right now you're on the big screen. You've got the um, projector up there in the ceiling. 
and all the online stuff is, is, is done from here. So I built this to take our online program forward, you know, um, and our Marshall Fit. The Marshall Fit is a, a fitness system um, that I've built around a taekwondo to really enhance the taekwondo's ability. Because I believe that um, the less time you spend in the, in the gym, the more time you spend in dojang, and the better martial artist and the better competitor you'll be fit for purpose training, you know. Yeah. Less time on the weights and more time on the drills for me is the, is the way to be. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. but I think that's even like it goes to like even the athletes, like I think, like you know, competitors that like the, the, the weight should be nearly be supplemental to your taekwondo training. Sometimes I think even competitors can get too caught up in um, in the, uh, spending time in the gym, like obviously, like that, it's supplemental that like most of your training should be on the mats. Yes, 100% because there's no substitute. Um, for adding, for example, at one pound, 1.5 pounds to your wrist and your ankles and get up there and just continuously wrecking things out, you know, making sure you're, you're really building the fit for purpose, minimus, maximus on the hips here to really drive. But that 9 to 12, that 9 to 12, 9, 10, 11, 12, to make sure you can rep out those techniques all over the place, your lateral movement, your speed hitting over and over and over, you know. So the more you're doing that, the better you're going to be. You know, I, I love watching young Solovey. Um, I think that young man is phenomenal. Um, we have a lot of phenomenal athletes. But I think that young man, I watch his training. I watch how he, how he, how he moves. That's what I love. I see him fit for purpose all the time. You know? Um, yeah, incredible. And obviously, young, young Mr. Boss there. Wow. Um, but so many so many of these guys that, you know, that, that I love watching today because the athletes today, overall, and this is as it should be, overall, they're so, so well prepared. So, so well prepared. I'm a massive fan. A massive fan. I, I take such inspiration from watching you guys on that floor and your speed and your movement, you know? Um, yeah. I take my hat off to you guys. I think these are incredible. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so then, like I think, I think this is actually one thing that I have to say. I do I do have uh, I've massive respect for this and you've even mentioned somebody else um, a similar uh, Grandmaster Boss. Uh, uh, still in phenomenal physical shape. Like you said, you train every day. And I think that's massive, and it's massive even, like, as you said, as an instructor, as somebody, to, to practice what you preach. Uh, you know, yes, I, I know, like, sometimes, you know, I suppose it can be hard, I suppose, if you're working a job and, and you're teaching classes. Sometimes people can fall into to just teaching, and, and they don't have their own training, yeah, and, they, and, they, no, lose their, no and they lose their physical. And it's no excuse. It's no excuse. No, it's, it's, not, it's not an excuse. Uh, it's really simple as that. It's never an excuse. You live the life. That's what a martial artist does. If your belly's outside your belt, hey, no problem. Let's get it back inside. Let's inspire each other. Let's work together as a group. And there's no more. There's no better time now than all, all the online training. When we can just go on to Zoom, my friend, I can train with my hero, Grandmaster Boss. I can train with, with you know, Carol Van Roon. I can, I, can, I can train with all these wonderful people all over the world. At a click of a button. You know, I can meet you for the first time. You know, um, my, young, my, my, my son told me that you're, you're a, a top-rate competitor. Wonderful. So I get a chance now to speak to a, to, to a top-rate competitor like this. It's fantastic. So there's, no, there's never a reason not to keep yourself in shape. And I say to all those who are not quite in shape, hey, no problem. Let's work together and let's get you back in shape. Together we can get it done, no matter what. But there's not a feeling in the world, an empowerment, like being in good condition. Because at some point we'll all face challenges, emotionally and physically. And when you're in good condition, it's so much easier to get through them. So let's work together to keep ourselves in good shape. 
yeah like I said yeah massive respect for somebody like that that, that keeps in shape trains every day um, and just it's like like, said, like you said living the, live, living the life like yourself and the Grandmaster Boss are two people who stand out like that and um, so yeah I do really massively respect that and um, so I know you, like obviously you've developed um, the Cubs training system uh, yeah uh, how did that come about? Like, what was the kind of what was the process to developing that system? Everything that I've developed, I have to say, is is morphed into, into the feeling that um, when you empower someone emotionally and spiritually, then there's nothing they can't achieve physically. That's my basic mantra for everything. So, in the Cubs program, it's ensuring that all the kids, all the kids, understand that with 100% effort and a great attitude, they can achieve so many things in life. So, it's about communication skills. It's about empowering these kids. And I've got to tell you, see, by, by letting them understand it, don't worry if you can't do X, Y, and Z. As long as you put great effort in, you'll be great. Their physical skills are phenomenal. I, I can't go over the, the skills, the side kicks, the step to the side. I've got sport cubs and power cubs. That's how I work them both. Sport cubs is the fast reaction, and power cubs is the chain, chain. You know, the hitting, the hitting the kick shields and so on and so forth. And the kids just love it. They're, they're inspired to understand that I've got a lot of kids in my school that I would not have taken in my basketball days because they didn't physically meet the requirements. Um, and that hurts me when I think back then. But I had a different mindset then. But these kids and these adults can, can participate and be empowered, you know, as I mentioned already. So that mentality, that mantra really brings out the best in them all. And with the Cubs and the Samurais, it means to serve. No one in my class and my school progresses unless their parents or guardians who regularly tell me about the home, we make the bed, tidy the room, you know, talk with a calm voice, talk with a kind voice. And of course, their teachers will sign the permission slip to say that they're well behaved in class and that they're helpful in class. If not, you can't grade. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. I do think that's a, a massive benefit that that that, you know, that, that program has have developed is that, um, is that it's the involvement of the parents. I suppose, like, you know, a lot of sometimes the challenge is just getting that involvement from the parents like sometimes just they drop them off they're trying to go home they don't ask about it and it's just all right you know there's no involvement and i understand and, that my friend i and, understand that and, I, people's lives are so busy you know and they've got more than one a lot of times they've got, they've got more than one child and let's face it parents today wow i mean they're taxi drivers all the time <laughs> they're taking yeah. their kids all over the place you know so so like the zoom and like like the, 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 the things we have today the Cubs book, the Samurai's books, that gives the parents a chance to interact with their kids. Now, I'll give you an example of what, what this lockdown there is. You, can, you come to my school now, you can drop the kids off. You can sit in the car park and look in your phone because I live stream all of my classes to your tablet, to your car and home. My kids, my, my, uh, my instructors here, I've got people in my cafe here. They go in and out to the cars, taking hot tea, coffee, hot chocolate, this, that, and next thing, where they're watching the kids in your car. So they're always involved in live stream on Zoom and live classes. So look at the benefits that this lockdown has given us. So involving the families is, for me, massively important. Yeah. You know, getting everyone involved, you know? So, yeah, that's what I love to see going forward. Yeah. Because like you said, I, 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 like, I think it's much, you see the kids even, they progress much better when the parents are involved themselves like that. Like you know, my, my my dad was always at the it was, yeah. My dad was always at the back of training and was always involved. And, yeah. and it's much easier when the parents have that interest and want to want to see them develop. But when they just want to drop them off and you're trying to engage with them and it's it's it, it's so much harder. You know, it's much easier when the parents want to be involved and and, and yes, know, know and know what's happening. You're spawning. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what one of the greatest benefits is. I don't have a black belt over all of the years. 
that hasn't at one point wanted to chuck it, especially in summertime. I was well, the same. Football across the, I was but the when same. the parents are involved <laughs> and they see the benefit, when they see this is so much more than a sport, so much more than a sport alone, when they can see the empowerment and the benefit they've got of communication skills going forward and how to deal with situations outside, whether it be a teacher, an employer, whatever, then when that child goes back and says, oh, I'm getting tired, I'm getting bored, hey, they're here. And they grab them by the scruff of the neck and they drag them to training. And I say to them, that's what we do. We talk about that. Get their butt along here. Kick their backside. That's what we do here. We kick backsides here. But see when they're on the floor, you watch them. You can watch them now on live stream and you watch the enjoyment they have. Now, if they're coming along here and they're genuinely not enjoying it, I'm the first to say, listen, just now it's not working. We need a bit of a break. But a lot of times, an awful lot of times, because they're getting bored because they want to go on Xbox or they want to do something different. But when they come along to class and the parents can watch whether they're here or in their car, or they can watch from because the club is live streamed into their homes, they can see their kids actually having the fun. They go, no, Sam, I can see it's still working for them. And that keeps them here, which means more people will achieve more things the longer they're training. And that's one of the huge benefits we've got today of having this technology. Yeah. I was definitely that person. I got to about it was uh, like that. It was about blue, but we had kind of training for the summer, and you got in because, and then we got to yeah. about sip time, and uh, like you're out, you're out playing like that. You're out playing football with your friends, and you, I didn't want to have to like because I was the only one in the area that like did taekwondo. So it's like I have to leave the great football game to go and put on my door back and go to go to training, and then it's like, oh, do I have to go? And and my and my mum and dad, right, my exactly. dad and dad, my mum yeah. and dad were like, no, you're fucking you're you're fucking going like to put it like that. It's like. It's uh, it's uh, it's like it's grand right now. It's fine right now. But, but when you, but when you get back to school and it's dark in the evenings, like you're coming into September, November, you're not going to be going out after school. You're going to be here. It's going to be rain and it's going to be cold. It's like you're going to be going to taekwondo. So and, and like you said, exactly the same. When I, when I was there, I was ever like, oh, I don't want to be here. When I was there, I loved it. I tried. It, it was it was just, it was the discipline of I suppose the discipline of just leaving what you were doing to put the put your door back on and go training. You know, it's. That's all you know, it was. An instructor, an inst- when I do instructor courses, an instructor must set the scene for the parents. So I tell them, at some point, they're going to tell you they're bored, they want to stop. So they're, 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 they understand that already. They know it's coming at some point. They know it's coming at some point. And I'll say to them, I'll say, and you'll say to me, I don't want to force them. And I'll say to you, what do you mean you don't want to force them? As a parent, it's your duty to force when you know better than your child. Because at some point, if your child to go to school or to take their medicine, Force things part and parcel of a parent, but you have to ensure that we're the right people for the job, and you have to know the kids are, are enjoying on the floor, which is why, as I say, get them on the floor, watch them, and if they're still enjoying it, then we keep them. And every time they say, I can't be bored, you know it's just the journey of getting them there. Yeah. And that helps to maximize our student attention, and it helps to get our people more empowered going forward. Yeah. I think that's always as well the, the question sometimes that need to be asked. Like you said, the, the reason they don't want to come is because they want to stay on the on the station I'm really the best like, die, I, I know wow. but I, 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 I much prefer like I, it's, I, I feel less disappointed when somebody comes in, like oh, I, I don't, they don't want to do taekwondo anymore they want to focus on a different sport or activity and it's it's it's, it's very disheartening when you when they come in to say oh, they don't want to train anymore and it's because they're just too lazy pretty much and, you know it's like they just want to stay at home they want to like you said they want to lay about they want to be watching TV yeah. they want to be on YouTube they want to be on the Xbox yeah. that's always so I find that's all disheartening and disappointing. It's like, fair enough if Taekwondo isn't your thing, but something else is, go after that and chase that then. But to just stay at home and be lazy, it's like, oh, really? You're okay with leaving them be lazy? 
Yes, I know. I know. It's a difficult, it's a difficult one. But parents have such a difficult job these days, you know, because you know when I was when I was young, I was seventeen when I joined the condo, but still, your options were very few and far between. These days, with Xbox and all these things, wow, my goodness me! For me, it's like living in the Star Trek world. So, so many more things for the kids to do. So, we have to really up our game. And online training, you know, is another tool in the box to help kids. You know, a couple of times a week here, a couple of times a week at home. And that gets them training four to five times a week. And that for me is the way forward. It certainly yeah. is. Yeah. Joe, um, so I think we'll, uh, I think we'll, um, I have to say, I've, uh, Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed the conversation, really enjoyed the chat, hearing your perspective on uh, how you approach training in Taekwondo. And um, thanks a million for coming on. You're most welcome. You're most welcome. Thank you so much for your time. I see, actually, just put, like, uh, uh, like you said, like you, you've been over to Ireland a lot of times, and uh, like yeah, you, you've done like especially when I would have been a yellow belt and uh, like a white belt, yellow belt, even green tag. You've been over for a, a good few seminars, and I know yes. you wouldn't remember. I I remember because you know I was on them. You wouldn't remember so much, and um, and actually the first international competition I went to was a green tag, was actually to our competitions, and um, in Scotland. As a green, as a green really? tag, as a green tag, I actually have pictures. I must, I'll send them on. I have one or two pictures that we went over as a team. I must send it on to you. But that was one of the first times uh, I would have oh, comp- I would have competed international. But, uh, yeah, you know, I just, my memories, my memories are massively enhanced. Uh, Ireland, just love it to bits. You know, I learned so much being across there. Your instructor, you know, I met him as a very, very, very young man. You know, and all all these guys. So I have uh, we've grown, we've all grown together. And the Scots and the Irish are, are Celtic cousins, so we're, we're very, very similar. You know, but um, Master Cooley, Master Buckley, the ITA done what a phenomenal job competitively. You guys have done across there. You know, my hat's off. Taking going from where you were to to one of the premier groups in the world. It's just it's just phenomenal. Yeah, it really is phenomenal. One hundred percent. Memories and great times. Yeah, uh, and all of those people that you mentioned would say that you have had an influence on them. So I think that's a, a credit to you as well. It's a two way street, my friend. We've all we've all grown together. Yeah. I'm grateful for it all. That's for that's for damn sure. Yeah. So, so again, thanks a million for coming on, and uh, we'll, we'll chat. Thanks we'll, for having me, and we'll uh, chat to you again soon, hopefully in, in, in person to some degree. Take care, everybody. Take care. Thank Take you. Care. God bless. Take care. We'll see you.